0: Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody. It is great to be back and see a lot of familiar faces, uh, but also a lot of unfamiliar faces. And that's one of the things that's just been so encouraging to me about being at Carmel is uh, I love the 130 people that went with us. But the fact that we're running 200, 210 on a Sunday means that there's a lot of people uh, that are coming, you know, people that didn't have a church home before Genesis moved there. And so just so encouraged by the new faces uh, that are there. And every week I'm meeting somebody new that drove by the campus or, you know, saw us online or heard about us from a friend. And so it's been real encouraging for me to be a part of it. And then I come here and I see some of my Carmel friends here. And they're like, oh, we got to come all the way over here to hear you preach. What's this all about? And, uh, but I'm glad that they're here. I know some people got caught up last week in being in Noblesville. And we told you last week, wherever you are, you need to stay for the next three weeks or else you're going to hear the same message twice in there somewhere. So uh, it's great to see you all here. But as we start out, I I just thought we'd take a minute and think about this for a minute, okay? It's a miracle that you're here, isn't it? And by that, I don't mean that it's a miracle that you made it to church this morning, uh, although that may be true for you too. But it's a miracle that you're here right now. Think about... All of the circumstances that had to conspire over hundreds and thousands of years for you to even exist. I mean, people had to live in the right town and eat at the right restaurant and be in the right place at the right time just in order to meet somebody else and have children that could have children just so you could have your turn on earth. Think about that. You are a miracle. Congratulations. And God had a hand in all of that, right? I mean, it all happened under his authority and under his watch all the way from the beginning of time up until the moment that you're sitting in this auditorium today. Why on earth then would you want to waste your life doing anything other than what God created you to do? You know, we're we're in this series we're calling The Holy Spirit because we're creative like that. And uh, so we're calling the series The Holy Spirit. And last week, if you were here, Josh opened the series uh, with this verse. He talked about this verse, John sixteen seven, 7. And, and Jesus says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your, what's that word? Remember that word? Advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. And it must have been really hard Uh, for the first disciples of Jesus to believe that it was to their advantage that Jesus was going away. I mean, think about that. They've been walking with him. They've been studying with him. They've gone everywhere with him. And now Jesus is going away. And he's saying, it's to my advantage that you're leaving, really? But Jesus says, no, no, I've got something better for you in the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about this series, there's kind of a, this weird uh, stepchild over here uh, called Spiritual Gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about to- today. And as we talk about Spiritual Gifts, I mean, just think about this, that God sends us His Holy Spirit and God's Spirit gives us gifts. And as we talk about that, I thought it might be useful for you just right up front to have a definition Of spiritual gifts. And this is probably the best, uh, most biblical definition I could come up with. Spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given by God at the time of conversion to do God's work. Okay, so think about it this way. God has sent us this helper in the Holy Spirit, right? But this helper has given us tools or gifts to use. All right, so uh, I love to ride my bike, for instance. I'm a cyclist. Uh, It's a great way to stay fit. Uh, It helps me get from place to place, Uh, but I love it really for the reason that any guys love their hobbies, and it's that it allows me to buy lots and lots of equipment. Right, guys? Okay, so that's why we have hobbies, is so that we thank you. Amen. I appreciate that. So uh, I have four bicycles in my garage. And now I realize that I can only ride one at a time. Yes, I know that. Uh, But I need one for the roads and I need one for triathlons and I need one to ride uh, back and forth to work and to ride with my kids to school. And then I have a mountain bike as well. And four is kind of the limit of what we can fit in the garage. And so when you reach kind of the limit of what you can buy from a bicycle perspective, you start buying you know, some spare parts. And so I've got a big box full of spare parts and I've got some wheels hanging on the wall in my garage and I can't fit my second car in my garage because of all the bicycles that are in there. And, but then uh, you run out of, quickly run out of bicycles and parts to buy and so you start buying tools, right? Because you buy tools. There are special tools. Uh, for instance, this is a crank extractor. It is built specifically to take the crank set off your bicycle. That's all it's good for. I mean, it's not good for anything else. Your crank set, if you're not a bicycle person, is the part that attaches to the bottom where the pedal's attach to. It's what you turn around and around. And if you decide you want to change gears, for instance, you need to take your crank set off. And there is no way in heck you're getting that thing off without a crank extractor. And so you need this. But you're not going to use it for anything else. It's not a very good hammer, as you can see. It's kind of small. Uh, it doesn't make a good wrench. That's what it's for. That's what it was created for. Uh, but I decided when I started getting into, getting into cycling that I was going to have to learn a little bit about how to repair and maintain my bicycle. So I had this friend. And this friend was really into cycling. In fact, so much so that he not only like, put his own bikes together, he actually welded and built his own frames. Okay, And so he was really into this. And so every time I needed a repair, I would go to my friend and say, hey, could you fix my bike for me? And finally, he got to the point where he said, no, I'm not going to fix it for you but I'll show you how. I'll help you fix it. I'll come alongside you. You see where this is going? I'll come alongside you and help you fix it. But he says, but you're going to need a tool. So for me, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get this. Okay, so you go by the tools, right? So different jobs called for different tools. Well, at the risk of oversimplifying this illustration, you know, spiritual gifts are like the tools that God gives us when we become believers to help repair and build his kingdom. Okay, and we, we tend to think of the Holy Spirit as kind of this ethereal, uh, kind of intangible presence that we really don't understand very well. But, but last week, Josh told us that the Holy Spirit is a person, right? And that the Holy Spirit is God. And Scripture tells us that if we invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives, that God sends this helper, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us. And He gives us, each of us, certain gifts, Okay, so if you think about this in a practical sense for a minute, here, here's the conclusion you could reach. You, you get this Holy Spirit living inside you, and He will help you, and He will guide you, just like my friend that helped me repair my bicycle. But you also get this set of tools, like these gifts, these spiritual gifts that, that God's Spirit gives you. And, and you know, if, when I'm fixing my bike, no matter how much I want to, no matter how much wise counsel and advice I get from my friend, I'm not going to be able to fix my bicycle unless I have the right tools. Well, in the same way, we're not going to be able to do the work that we're supposed to do in God's kingdom without using our spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are, are confusing sometimes. They're often misunderstood. And so to best understand what spiritual gifts are, uh, I think we're going, to, well, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture. Uh, but I think it may be best to understand what spiritual gifts are not. And because we're going to cover a lot of Scripture, if you have your Bibles, you might open them up. We're going to spend most of our time in the New Testament. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we would love to give you one. We have Bibles at the Info Hub just outside these doors. There's one that you can take with you uh, today. You can go get it now if you want. But we're going to cover a lot of Scripture. It will all be on the screen. But if you're a kind of a write-in-your-Bible or take-notes kind of person, you might want that. Uh, There's a lot there. So let's talk about, first of all, what spiritual gifts are not. And these are in your notes in your worship program if you want to follow along. Uh, and, and it says this, uh, first of all, spiritual gifts are not your natural abilities. The spiritual gifts are not your natural abilities, okay? Your abilities were given to you at birth and developed over years of practice, all right? And instead, spiritual gifts are given to you at the moment of your rebirth, if you will, or the moment of your conversion in Christ, and they are meant to help to, to be used to build the church, Okay, so we saw this verse a couple weeks ago in our big church series, and it's this, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so in other words, you know, God, Jesus Christ, when we're created in Christ Jesus, when we're made new, when we accept Christ to be the Lord of our lives, God has already prepared work for you to do. Okay, okay. And so uh, we, we say this, uh, maybe this is a good way to help you remember it, that, that uh, spiritual gifts are God's way of preparing you for what God has prepared for you. Okay, spiritual gifts are God preparing you for what God has prepared for you. So he's already prepared this work for you to do, but he knew that you were gonna need the right tools to do it. So he's given you these spiritual gifts. So something that may not come naturally to you in your life, might come to you supernaturally to work in God's kingdom. You know, many of you don't see yourself as a leader, okay? But if God has given you the gift of leadership, the spiritual gift of leadership, you are going to be able to lead in a supernatural way to help build his kingdom, all right? And to glorify God. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, he writes this. He says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So in other words, Paul says this was not an ability I have. I was less than the least, right? So I was not at all prepared to do these things. God said, uh, or Paul said, but he said, but God through His grace has prepared me to do this work, to preach uh, to the Gentiles. He said, I heard a pastor say it this way once, and maybe you've heard this. Okay, it's a little bit cliche, but I think it really fits here. It says this. I heard a pastor say, God doesn't call the equipped. Right, He equips those that he calls. So in other words, that God will give us the spiritual gift we need at the time we need it. So spiritual gifts are not their natural abilities. They're, they're different. Okay. Number two is this. Spiritual gifts are not given to the elite few. All right. At our worst moments, we may look at what God has given to us and think, well, God must have this really special group of Christians that he gives gifts to and nobody else gets anything. All right, Because I look around and I don't have the gifts that I want, and so we think, well, maybe God only gives gifts to a few Christians. Well, that's not really what happens. You know, Romans 12:6 says this: uh, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. remember? So Paul's writing to the church, he's writing to other believers. and he says this: "We all have gifts. You hear that? <laughs> we all have gifts. He's writing this to the first church and he says, all of us who have been born into the kingdom of God have spiritual gifts that were given to us. And then he goes on. They differ in keeping with the grace that God has given to each of us. You know, so we all have gifts, but they're all different. You know, but they're all given to us for the same reason and that is to help build up the kingdom of God. But all the while, We are to use our gifts not out of a sense of guilt or obligation, right? But in response to the greatest gift that God gave us through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, all of us fall short in some way, but but Jesus came and died so that we wouldn't have to carry that guilt. I mean, God loves us that much. And so just stop right there for a minute and say, if you don't know that love this morning, like if you've never decided to make Jesus the Lord of your life, why would you wait any longer? Why wouldn't you do that today? I mean, you, we'll have an opportunity today at the end of the service, but think about that. Why would you wait any longer to do what God created you to do? Okay, so spiritual gifts are not, your, not given to the elite few. Number three is this. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Okay, we've already established that everybody has gifts. All believers have gifts. You know, that's what Romans twelve six said. We all have gifts. Now, but here's something we need to understand too. Well, while some gifts are more visible than others, no gift is more important than others. Now, in fact, in some churches, some gifts are elevated to higher levels than other gifts. And it's often said that, that mature believers will have one set of gifts, And immature believers will not. You know, like if you thought, if you're really mature and if you're really following and if you're really faithful, you'll have this gift. But if you're not, you won't. You know, ironically, the one thing that often stands out as being reserved for mature believers is speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. In many churches and many denominations, it's believed that, you know, that this gift is a really high, really important gift and only very mature believers will have that gift. And you can imagine the divisiveness that that can result when it's said that mature believers have these gifts and immature believers won't have these gifts, especially when that's not what Scripture says. And so if we uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. You know, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Right? So there's this idea that there's this equal importance among all the gifts of all the work that people have to do in God's kingdom. That, that everybody has gifts. They're all important. All of the work that we're all called to do is important. Okay? Now... Um, you know, you got something in your, in your bulletin, your program for the network class on November 17th. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I took this class a number of years ago as a new believer. I took the network class at another church. And, and interestingly, when I took it, I had probably only been a Christian for about a year. And I took this class and I found my top three spiritual gifts were leadership, teaching, and administration. Now, I had been a believer for about a year. I could see leadership in my life. I mean, I was, I was leading people at work. You know, I, I had led in some not-for-profit organizations. I knew that that was something that was kind of part of me. Administration, my desk was usually organized. You know, I knew where things were. Uh, I could see administration in my life. But teaching... I had never taught a Sunday school class. (laughs) I had never led a small group. I'd certainly never stood up on stage and preached to people before. But very early in my walk, it was pointed out to me through the network class that I had the spiritual gift of teaching. And what a blessing to find out that early in your walk that you have this spiritual gift so that you can use it and develop it and work on it. But here's the point if spiritual gifts were a sign of spiritual maturity, I wasn't that spiritual mature. I wasn't, I can't even say that right. I wasn't that spiritually mature. I wasn't even, I hadn't even been a Christian that long. I hadn't certainly developed my faith. I hadn't read the entire Bible even, uh, but I had that spiritual gift. And so they're not a sign of spiritual maturity. And number four is this. Spiritual gifts are not the fruits of the spirit. Right? The fruits of the Spirit are in Galatians 5. And if you were here a few weeks ago and you heard Andy Stanley's uh, message in the Big Church series, you know he talked about the fruits of the Spirit. And there are nine. The fruits of the Spirit, there are nine of them. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and understanding. Nine. There are nine of them. And the fruits of the Spirit are the things in our lives that should naturally result if God's Holy Spirit is living in us. They are the outward manifestation the outward appearance of god's holy spirit living in us and and, but they're not spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts are given to us to help build god's kingdom and here's one way you can tell them apart every believer should exhibit all of the fruits of the spirit but no believer will exhibit every spiritual gift right because we all have a certain set of spiritual gifts So they're not the fruits of the Spirit. Number five is this. Spiritual gifts are not something to fear. Now, I know, especially if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, that some of the spiritual gifts can look a little weird to you. I mean, you think of a spiritual gift like healing the sick, which was very common in the first century church. You know, when we, read, when we went through the big church series and we read the book of Acts, we see just disciple after disciple going through the streets and healing the sick. And God used that spiritual gift in a mighty way to draw people to himself. Do you remember that? People would go and they'd heal somebody and then they'd preach the gospel. But now, today, when we think of healing the sick well especially in church you probably think of the guy with big preacher hair right that's on tv that that tries to make words have as many syllables as possible and he says you are healed da and he hits somebody in the head and they fall over and somehow when they hit their head on the ground or something that they're healed right i mean that's what we think of sometimes when we think of the spiritual gift of healing but 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 it's not something to fear or we think of prophecy and we hear people that can speak and tell the future and you think ooh you know, but that's not what spiritual gifts are. They're not something to be feared. The Bible tells us that every spiritual gift is useful and good for building God's kingdom. And so that's what spiritual gifts are not. Okay. So now we know what they're not, but I think it would be good to take a look at a few scriptures that talk about what they are and help us understand that. And so what we can take away from those. And so the first place I want to go is back to first Corinthians 12. Uh, so if you, you probably already there in your Bible, but first Corinthians twelve seven. uh, it starts like this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. That's important. Right? To, and one, one version says to serve each other, to serve one another. So a spiritual gift is given to each of us to serve one another, to help one another. Number, verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. So wisdom. Wisdom is a spiritual gift. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great, great faith to another. So faith is a spiritual gift. And someone else, uh, the Spirit gives the the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Yes, miracles is a spiritual gift. It's the one I would like to have, but I don't. And, And another person, the ability to prophesy. Now, to prophesy is to speak on behalf of God. He gives someone else the excuse me, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. This is often called the gift of discernment. It's a very valuable, very useful gift. Um, If you can imagine, if you've seen a TV show or a movie where somebody has got, you know, the little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, this is a terrible example as I'm saying it. I'm thinking this is not the way you want to describe this gift, but it's the ability to figure out who's talking. Right? Which one's talking? And so the gift of discernment. Uh, Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language or to tongues, while another person is given the ability to interpret what is being said. But this is the key verse, okay? Verse 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And this is a verse I have to keep coming back to because my tendency... And maybe yours, but my tendency is to look at somebody else's gifts and say, I want that. You know, I wish I had that gift. You know, I, but, but this tells us that we shouldn't be jealous of somebody else's gift. I mean, it's easy for us to look at what God's given to us and say, I don't want that. That's not my I don't want wisdom. I want miracles. God, can you give me the gift of miracles? I want to be able to perform miracles. And, and, and I'll use it for your glory, right? I'll use it to win people for you, but man, can I fix my flat tire? Boom, Galakazam! you know, whatever. We think of it like magic. You know, I want this. But if you're a parent, if you have kids, do you ever get done with Christmas and and you know that your kids are thinking, or maybe they even have the gall to say to you, I really wish I'd gotten this gift for Christmas. And it's Christmas morning and you look at the floor and you see it's choked with wrapping paper. And there are still unopened boxes sitting there. And there are toys strewn all the way up the stairs. And you think, what I gave you wasn't enough? I mean, like, I'm your dad. I know what you guys like. You've told me time and time again. I know what you need. I know what you want. I chose these gifts for you. And I think God looks down at us sometimes, at me anyway, when I covet somebody else's gifts. I see these guys all the time, guys and and men and women who are really high capacity people and they seem to get so much done. You know these people? These people that you think, when do you ever sleep? Right? Because they're they're writing or they're performing or they're 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 teaching or they're 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 always doing something. They're building something in their garage in their spare time and they're teaching foreign language classes at the library and they're doing all these things and and you know, you feel like like they, you know, they get four hours of sleep a night, or they're like Buddy the Elf. You know, did you get sleep last night? Yeah, I got a full forty minutes. You know, and um, but like, I know I'm never going to be like that. Like, I am an eight, eight and a half hour kind of guy. When if I want to be at my very best, I know I need to have that sleep. And so, as much as I may want to be what they are, I'm not going to change who I am to do it. Well, in the same way, this passage tells us that it is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit that decides which gift each one of us should have. So until we're smarter than God, we probably just need to keep our mouth shut and use what we've got. Now, there's another passage I want to guide you to, and it's in Romans uh, verse 12, and we started there already too, but it says this, Romans 12, 6, it says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And I, I'm reading, I think I've got a slightly different version that's here on the screen, but, but from the NIV it says this, So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take, it, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, this passage adds some more gifts, but it also raises the bar a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, it takes this idea of spiritual gifts to a new level by telling us not just how we should use them, or not just to use them, but how We are supposed to use them. You know, reread this verse in your Bible. It says, you know, if your gift is to prophesy, you should prophesy with as much faith as God has given you. If you're teaching, you should teach them well. If you're serving, you should serve them well. If you're giving, you should give generously. If you have the gift of leadership, you should take the responsibility seriously. So there's this expectation on this idea that we won't just use our gifts but we will use them to the very best of our ability. And this is very convicting for me. I mean, I read this passage and I think, you know, I want to be a Romans 12.7 teacher. Like, I want to teach people well. I want to be a Romans 12.8 leader. I want to take that responsibility seriously. One version says, if your gift is leadership, lead diligently. I mean, I want to be that kind of person. Well, I thought one other way we might understand spiritual gifts is for me to tell you a couple stories about people I know that have certain spiritual gifts. And so the first one is this. I I have a friend who used to be a pastor. He's now in the business world, uh, but he used to be a pastor. And he told me one time, he said, I have the spiritual gift of prophecy. And so I said, well, tell me how you know that or tell me how that's worked itself out in his life. And he said, "Okay, one time I was preaching and I got done with my message and I stood up in the front of the room like we do here. You know, every week there's somebody down here to pray with you. And there was a couple that came up to pray with him and and they were crying. And they had clearly been, uh, you know, processing something for longer than just that morning. But uh, they were in tears because they had been trying for several years to have a child. And for several years they tried and they tried a lot of different things and finally they had confirmation from the doctor that, that this week that they were infertile. They, they weren't going to have children. And so they asked for this pastor to pray with them. And, and so he prayed with them. And, and as he was praying, he tells me, he felt this power come through his body and he heard this very audible voice in his ear. And, and when he finished praying, he told this couple, he said, this is what I heard. I want you to know this. While I was praying for you, I heard a voice, it must have been God, telling me that within the next year, you are going to have a child. And he said, and then God said something else that I don't quite understand, but he said, he told me that he was going to send a sign that was so amazing that we would all know that this was from God. And so my pastor friend, uh, you know, finished up talking with them, went home that night, uh, that week, found out that his wife was pregnant. And he said, This is not how this was supposed to work. This is not what we were praying for, God. This is. And so, uh, but he thought, That's it. That's the sign. And so he was so excited next week to get to the church and and see the couple but they weren't there and so uh, he waited a few weeks and then finally after three or four weeks he saw the couple there and he was preaching and he saw them out in the audience and he thought I- i've got to get to them after the service and tell them what's happening because this will give them encouragement and hope that that we're having a baby and this is the sign from god and he's saying all these things while he's preaching because you can be up here and you can be saying words out of your mouth and you see somebody in the audience and you're thinking about them and these words are and it's supernatural i don't know how it works but he sees this couple, and, and so after the service, he, he, he basically runs up to them. And he says, You're not going to believe this. We're having a baby. And I think, and before he got the words out, they said, No, you're not going to believe this. We are having a baby. Gift of prophecy. God gave him that word. Now, I'm going to tell you a second story. There's a lady in our church who, for a few years now, has made snacks for our high school youth group every week. Every Wednesday, she, every Tuesday, she bakes uh, and brings food so that our high school youth group, our poor, malnourished high school children in this church will not go hungry. Every week they have baked goods to eat when they come to their small group because of one person who took this on herself as her own ministry. And I'm telling you, if, if they are expecting having a big event and they're going to have uh, more people than they usually get, uh, she'll bake extra. If they're going on a road, if they're on the road trip, uh, she'll do it ahead of time. She'll pack it so that they can be wrapped up and taken with them. She wants to make sure that our poor high school students don't go hungry. Every week for several years, she's done this. She has the gift of serving. Now, here's what I want you to know. Both of these gifts are equally spiritual. Spiritual. Okay, Our our tendency is to look at one and say, that is clearly of God, and to look at the other and think, that is clearly just who she is. But that's not true. These are both spiritual gifts. They're both given to these people by the Holy Spirit to use to help build His kingdom. So what about you? Maybe you've got gifts that you're not even using. I mean, you're, if you're here today and maybe you know you've got the teaching gift, like you can read a piece of scripture and you just understand it so well and, and, and you want to tell people about it and you can apply it to your life and you think, well, how can I use that in a church? You know, why aren't you leading a small group? You know, we've got connection groups uh, that, that meet every week and every other week and maybe you could be leading one of those if you've got that teaching gift. Why aren't you teaching in our student ministry, in our gen Kids ministry? I mean, you should be using that gift. You, know, you need to deploy that gift. May some of you have the leadership gift. And you know it. You lead people at work. You, you lead a great big contingent of people at work. You've got a great big team and you lead them well and you're diligent with your leadership. And then you come to church and you sit and you watch and you go. Well, why are you not using that at the church? You know, why aren't you leading something? You know, We've got a, a chance for ministry leaders to step up and, and, and lead something new and do it for a useful purpose. Or, or maybe you've got the gift of mercy. You know, and you... you you see people and you care about their needs and you you want to serve them and you you actually care about what's going on in people's lives and every time you see them you ask them about that thing they ask you to pray for and i can't even talk anymore about this because i don't have any of these gifts okay but maybe you do and and you're not using them in the church why not you know what about you do you know your spiritual gifts well if not I thought we'd close today. A good way to close would be to give you just kind of five things, five quick suggestions, five ways that you can use to discover your spiritual gifts. Okay, and these are in your notes too if you want to follow along. They're in your worship program. Uh, Number one is this. Study what the Bible says about gifts. Uh, There's lots of great scripture about spiritual gifts. And uh, Romans 12 uh, that we've talked about, 1 Corinthians 12. I've put a couple of these in your program. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 4 uh, Ephesians 4. You know, if you're in a connection group that meets on Sundays and talks about sermon series, uh, maybe this is a great place to go tonight. If you get your group together and, and you can talk about these these verses and spiritual gifts and, and and talk about what you see in there that appeals to you. What What is it that really you, you, that resonates with you? You know, what is the gift that you may have? You know, but see what the Bible says about them. Number two, ask God to show you your gifts. You know, earnestly pray, God, what do you want from me? Like, where could I serve? And and, and what have you given to me? How have you gifted me? Where do I fit in? You know, how, how do you want me to use these gifts to help build your kingdom? And it may be inside the church, and I've talked a lot about that today, but it could be outside the church. I mean, make no mistake, you can help grow God's kingdom from outside the walls of this or any other church. Now, we're very familiar with the ministries inside this church, but there are lots of places where you could use your spiritual gifts. But, but, but ask God to show you what they are. Pray, journal, Honestly and consistently ask God, what are my gifts? Number three is this, uh, examine what you enjoy and do well. You know, if you're gifted, you're going to, you're going to enjoy using your gifts. You're going to love uh, serving or, or using the areas where God's gifted you. You're going to do some things well. And so uh, if you don't like helping people, chances are you don't have the serving gift. You can mark that one off your list. Right? And if you, if you never take time to pray on your own, you probably don't have the spiritual gift of prayer. You know, mark it off your list. But what is it that you do enjoy? What is it that you do like doing? What is it that you do well? Now, I think this is important. In his book, Good to Great, which is one of the seminal business books of the 21st century, great book, Jim Collins, who's the author, talks about an organization and how an organization or a business can be in its sweet spot. Like how a, how a business can do the most with what it's got. And so he, puts, he, he put together this chart. And this chart says has three circles. This is a Venn diagram. Some of you are having flashbacks from college now or, or remind, remembering that you have a test this week. Uh, but uh, he talks about in the upper right here is the organization's passion, what they're passionate about. Okay, uh, On the left is their talents what an organization is good at. And at the bottom is where they can make money, okay, what people will pay for. And Jim Collins makes this makes suggestion that that centerpiece where all three of those circles overlap, that is where an organization, a business, can have its business biggest impact. Okay, does that make sense? Where those three things come together. Well, in the same way with you and serving in ministry, uh, there's a graph that looks like this. You know, there's a place that you can have the biggest impact. And on the right is where your passions are. What do you care about? What do you love the most? On the left are your spiritual gifts. Where has God gifted you? And then at the bottom is unmet needs. You know, there are needs in the church that people aren't meeting. There are needs outside the church that aren't being met. And if you can find where those three things intersect, that is where you can have the biggest impact in ministry. That is your sweet spot for serving in ministry. But to, to, to get there, you need to understand what you enjoy and what you do well. Okay, so number four is this. Take a spiritual gifts class, all right? Yes, I'm saying it. In our opinion, there is none better than network. And that's why we're hosting it. You know, we're not promoting this uh, because we're having it. We're, we're having it because we believe in it. Uh, it is a great way to discover your spiritual gifts. Uh, this class was developed, this book was developed by Willow Creek, which is a large church in the suburbs of Chicago, a very large church. And it's been updated uh, since it's been, it was created, I mean, 20 years ago probably. Uh, I took it. 15 years ago and it's been updated several times since then but it will absolutely Open your eyes to the way god made you and god wired you You know as I already said it was the first place I ever learned that I had the teaching gift and before I'd ever taught anything from the bible But we believe in this class so much that we're having it right here at our noblesville campus on saturday morning November 17th, you know just a couple of weeks from now And if you've never had a spiritual gifts assessment if you've never taken a class I urge you to sign up for this one uh, you can do it on your connection card in your program. Uh, you can do it at the info hub out here afterwards. But we want to know if you're coming so we can get the right materials. But, but it's going to be a great morning, a great day, 8.30 to 3.30, I think it is, on Saturday the 17th. Uh, I'm going to be there taking part of it. Uh, we're going to have a lot of our staff, and we've got some great volunteers that help with that class. But there is no better way, in my opinion, to discover how God wired you. But number five is this. Do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. You know, this is the most important step of obedience And because if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, He will lead you. He will guide you. You know, Scripture tells us this. It says, uh, Isaiah 30 says this, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. You know, God's Spirit is there to lead you. Here's what I find. The more I follow that leading, the more God directs me. And I believe that the more you follow that leading, God will direct you too. When you're obedient a little bit, He shows Himself to be faithful. You know, the more you trust, the more He shows up. Little by little, you start growing and you start serving. You start becoming more and more like Jesus as you follow the Spirit. You know, Richard Stearns was the well-paid CEO of Lenox, the luxury goods company that specializes in uh, fine china and crystal. When he got the call that would change his life forever, Uh, The call was from a friend of his that he used to go to church with uh, that now served on the board of a charity named World Vision. Many of you have probably heard of World Vision, Vision, a Christian-based charity that sponsors children all over the world. And and this friend called Stearns and he told him, hey, uh, after beating around the bush for a while and hemming and hawing, he said, the reason I called is because I'm on the board of World Vision and the the CEO of World Vision uh, just recently stepped down. We're getting ready to start a CEO search. And he said... And God has told me that you're going to be the next CEO of World Vision. I mean, it's kind of hard to escape a comment like that, but Stearns kind of laughed it off. I mean, he didn't have any experience running a charity. He, he didn't know much about World Vision other than his friend that was on the board. And, uh, and besides, he was making way too much money at Linux to ever consider going to help run a charity. And so he forgot about it until a couple months later. When a colleague of his saw the ad in the Wall Street Journal for a new CEO of World Vision and brought it to Stearns and said, hey, I saw this ad and something told me that you would be the perfect person for this job. Now, I don't know how many of you work in an office, but when a colleague brings you a job at another company that says you'll be perfect for this, whatever you do, get out of here, is kind of the suggestion behind that maybe. But but Stearns thought, well, how come? that's the second time I've heard about that. Well, later that week, he got a call from a recruiter trying to fill that same job, the CEO role at World Vision. And he said, the recruiter said, hey, do you know anybody that would be a fit for this job? And Stern says, well, no, I don't. And and the guy said, well, that's weird because the Holy Spirit just told me that you are the right person for this job. And the recruiter said, and by the way, I've talked to 200 people today and I've not felt that about anyone else. And so Stearns uh, didn't know what to say about that. But before he knew it, he was being whisked away to Seattle against his will for a job interview to become the CEO of World Vision. Where at the interview, he did his very best to convince them that he was not the right guy for the job. But despite that, Stearns came back and a few weeks later, he had a job offer to lead World Vision. Well, it all came to a head when uh, another friend of his from the luxury goods industry came to him and said, hey, I want to tell you about something I'm getting ready to do. I am going to buy a competing luxury goods business. I want you to come on as my CEO. And by the way, I want to give you an ownership stake worth 25 to $50 million. And it was that time that Stearns had to come clean. He said, well, the truth is I've got a, another job offer I have to consider first. Well, the rest is history. Uh, Stearns became the CEO of World Vision in 1998. And since then, the organization has more than doubled the number of children sponsored children under its care. It's multiplied by eight times the amount of food that it distributes worldwide uh, since before Stearns joined. And all because he decided to do what the Holy Spirit led him to do. Now, you may not have these options in front of you right now. I understand you may not be weighing competing CEO job offers right now, okay? But, but, there's a good chance that you're weighing a decision right now that's going to have a major impact on the direction of your life. Like maybe you're seeking a career or a major. Maybe you're deciding what direction that relationship's going to take you. And there's a good chance that, that one of those decisions is going to benefit you. But if it goes the other way, it could benefit the kingdom of God. And you're weighing that. And you're trying to decide what you want to do. I just want to urge you to do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And Finally, I just want to say this. If, if you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let me say this. Spiritual gifts are great. And they're important. And they're useful. But the greatest gift that God will give you is His Holy Spirit Himself. I mean, if you, in fact, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you don't need more from God. You don't need more gifts. You don't need more talents or more abilities or more passions or anything. You don't need anything else from God. What you need in your life is more of God. And that's especially true if you're here and you don't already have the Holy Spirit li- living in you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, why would you wait any longer? I mean, we're going to take communion here in a minute where we celebrate the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. And if you want to be a part of that, I urge you today, uh, if you've never made that decision to do it now. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for uh, your word through Scripture and the fact that uh, you are such a giving God that it wasn't enough for you to send your son Jesus for us to take our sin away, God, but that you decided that when he had to leave that you would send your Holy Spirit to live in us. But God, even that wasn't the limit of your generosity that when you sent your Holy Spirit to live in us, that you decided to give us gifts on top of that uh, that we could use, and they benefit us, God, they do. But they benefit they should benefit your kingdom as well. And we are so thankful for that this morning. And Lord, I know any time we talk about spiritual gifts and passions and abilities that there are people that struggle with, what did God make me for? You know, "What do I have a purpose? Now, Lord, I just pray that you would remind each and every person in here that they've got a reason. There's a reason that they're here today. There's a reason that they're still alive, that you have a purpose for their life. And, and if you're here today, and, and it's just we just continue in prayer, and if you're struggling with knowing what that next step is, you want, you want God to reveal Himself to you. You want Him to reveal your spiritual gifts. Would you just raise your hand right now? I just want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right now. Thank you for those hands. Thank you all over the room. Thank you for those hands. God, I... I just thank you for the the courage of these people. I thank you for uh, the honesty to ask that question. God, what do you want from me? What have you gifted me with and what do you want me to do with it? I just thank you uh, that they've got the courage to come forth with that, God. And I lift them up to you today. Would you reveal yourself to them through scripture, through prayer, uh, through the words of wise friends, God? Would you help them understand what you created them to do? And now, God, as we go into a time of communion and we remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, I I, I, just—I'm just prompted to, to remind people that we can't do any of this without God, Your Holy Spirit, living in us, and so. Once again, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but today is the day. You're feeling, today is the day I've got to do that. You need a change in your life. You're, you're tired of trying to fight this battle on your own, and you need God's Holy Spirit to be in you, to, to guide you, to direct you, to comfort you, to help you. If that's you today and you've never made that decision, would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray with you. I want to lift, up, lift you up right now. God, I just lift up this hand and, and the other people in the room that are making that decision. God, to follow you. And you can, make, you can pray this prayer with me if that's you. God, I need you in my life. Just ask your son Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life, to be my Savior. God, would you send your Holy Spirit to live inside me? And God, as we go into a time of communion now, let us never forget the redeeming work that you did for us on the cross. Thank you for that. Thank you for your son Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.